0: We're in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 down to verse 11. In our previous lesson in verse 10, we learned that the Antichrist, with Satan's full power, will deceive the masses. The lying deception from the devil, yet the people got it because they did not receive what it said, the love of the truth that would have saved them. They rejected. it the truth to their conscience, and or they rejected the gospel of Christ. Let's just read that verse again, 10, with all deception of wickedness for those who perish, those who are lost, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So they are held responsible. No one is damned because they're ignorant, because they don't know anything. Their conscience is enough and the gospel. People reject their conscience. God is not even obligated to give them the gospel. That's a greater grace and light. Every man is responsible. Every man has had responsibilities and had the truth presented to him. God's been gracious to everybody to some degree. And so when he judges, they won't be standing there saying, I didn't know this or I didn't know that. They're going to know because the devil will not be able to deceive them anymore, and their own mind will not be able to lie to them. They won't be able to lie to themselves. They'll see the truth, and it will horrify them when they see what's going to happen and what they are. So verse 11, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. In the old and the new at times, mainly in the old, often the actions of the devil and of wicked people are attributed to God because everything has to go through him anyway. By permission or by direct command, everything's under his control. That's why Job, not even knowing about who Satan was, attributed all of these things from God. But as we know now, God himself cannot be evil He cannot lie. He cannot do things. But on wicked people, he can judge them by their own sins and by their own faults. He can bring it back upon them. He can allow a liar to be deceived. And this is what he's going to do to the masses that have rejected the gospel when it's given, that have persecuted the true Christians. Uh, He's going to avenge them eventually. Uh, and all the main judgments at that time is going to be what they did with his. Did they help him or not? And that's going to decide whether they were sheep or goats when he deals with the nations. Okay? So, for this reason, what reason? They did not love and obey the truth. As we've said many times, Jesus and men as a whole love darkness rather than light. They love doing wickedness. They love feeding their corrupt nature. Everybody is tenant with this corrupt nature, but everybody don't have to obey it. And God holds man responsible for yielding or subduing certain things, good and bad. He holds them responsible. He didn't say he expected perfection of them. He didn't. Under the different covenants, he required certain things. Under the law of Moses, many sins, most of them could be forgiven by sacrifice and confession and restitution. But certain sins like blasphemy and murder and adultery could not be. He was told they would have dragged them away from his altar. When they ran to plead for mercy before the Lord, there was none. He set the limits then, and they understood this. But many of their sins inwardly he did not judge them until they were exposed outwardly. And that is why God warned Cain about the the danger of the crouching spirit trying to get him to murder his brother out of anger. It was already there. And he told him, you should subdue it. You must overcome it. So he was given the ability in his natural human spirit to exercise his will. But he chose not to. He chose to do what he pleased. And people often says they will not come to the truth lest their deeds, their works be exposed. Because many of them are selfish, covetous, wicked, perverse, and they don't want to be exposed. They enjoy their sins. So he said that's what happens to most mankind. But it's on them, it's not on God. And he's fair and just in all of his dealings. He's long-suffering and patient. He shows grace to everybody to some degree. And if he gives more grace and gives the gospel to people who've never heard it, uh, then they will be punished more severely in the lake of fire for rejecting more grace. They store up wrath. That's justice. God holds man accountable for his actions, for his gifts, his talents, Everything is to be submitted to the Lord, and if it's not done, it means the person's a liar and a thief and perverting the gifts of God. So every gift, good gift, is from the Lord, but every sin is a man perverting the laws, principles, and the gifts of God. So that's why they will be held accountable. So because they did not life or obey the truth, they didn't want it. They didn't come to the light, many of them, if they had opportunity, they didn't want to hear it. And then at Judgment Day, they're not going to be able to say, I didn't hear the gospel. The Lord said, you didn't want it, and you wouldn't come to it when you saw it afar off, and so you're guilty. So they're not going to be excused. So because of this, this reason, God will send, who will he send, what will he send? He will send demonic lying spirits to deceived and punish those who resist it and despise the spirit of truth. They're under his control. He rules the nations, the wicked nations. He subdues them. But he used wicked nations to punish Israel when they backslid. And then when they repented and got right, he punished the evil nation. That's his right. They're doing by nature what they want to do. He just misdirects them and they're doing what they want to do anyway, oppose people, destroy, be violent. So God can direct that, and he can even direct it toward Christians to test them. He did it with Jesus. He sent him into the wilderness after he was baptized in the Spirit, so it would be tested, and the devil tested him in all issues that deal with mankind, but he couldn't get him to fail or sin and any of these things. So when he came down from the mountain, he immediately not only preached the gospel, he started casting out demons. The devils knew that once he overcame Satan in the wilderness, that they have to submit. They're under his power. So if the strong man is broken and subdued, the weak ones are nothing. So that's what happened. So the kingdom of the devil was subject to him. That's why he cast them out of people and they obeyed him. They saw him and understood the principles of how it worked. He defeated the strongest one and all the other ones was nothing to him. He had power over that evil system. So when he does this, when he sends the lying false spirits, because the people did not want to believe the truth, they rejected the truth. They enjoyed the pleasures of sin. Then, what is their punishment? He'll send them the lying spirits. There is no vacuum, and they're responsible for it. And they're responsible for yielding to the false spirits that will come upon them. Okay? So, they will believe the lie, the false prophets and his signs, because he's going to be given a lot of power. From Satan himself. Scripture says that all power, all deception. So, whatever Satan used in the past, he's going to use the greatest he can during this time and give it to the Antichrist and the false prophet to display his signs and wonders. They're called false, but it doesn't mean they're not supernatural. It means they're false because they oppose God and they are against Christ and his principles. So therefore, the sign is evil, even though it's supernatural, okay? We'll give you an example that this is one of God's principles that he's used uh, quite often in the past when people do not want the truth, and they fight against him, then he sends the lies. The demons, people are no match for demon powers without the protection of the Holy Spirit. They're very brilliant, and they're evil, and they know man's nature, and they know how to appease it, and they know how to play on it, and that's what they're going to do. And there will be no armor of Christ that the Christian's given to stand and resist the devil when he causes troubles and warfare against us. First, I want to talk about King Ahab. Remember, I'll paraphrase in the Old Testament, he was the king of Israel. He was a wicked king with Jezebel. One of his main servants was hiding a hundred prophets in the caves because Jezebel had sent word out she wanted them killed. And she established her prophets and false prophets from her religions, Baal and so forth. And there were basically 400 of them. And King Ahab, he wanted to go to battle with someone, and he wanted Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, to go with him. Well, Jehoshaphat was a righteous king. So when they stood in the public, and all of these many false prophets came up and said, go, and God's going to give you the victory, and this and that, all of them were saying the same thing. Well, Jehoshaphat, something to bear witness with him, because he said, "Is." They're not a prophet of Jehovah around. See, he recognized these were not of the Lord. And Ahab said, oh, yeah, there's one, but I hate him because he never gives me anything good. Doesn't that sound good? Uh, He only wanted to hear the truth. I've heard people say, I only want to pause it for it. I said, well, you're going to hell because you're living in sin and you want to be blessed and prospered. It's not going to happen. Your end is going to be the lake of fire. But you want to be deceived. You don't want the truth. You've already said that. Proverbs says a fool despises instructions. A fool, he hates his own soul. And God says even his prayers will be despised by God, the foolish man. You don't listen to it, okay? Uh, So Ahab did this, and he brings forth Micaiah, who he hated, because when he did give him a word from the Lord, it was always harsh, and punishment, and God not pleased with him. And he had the nerve to come up and say, but I don't hate him because he don't tell me anything good. He's telling these people, I only want to hear what I want to hear. I don't really want the truth. And Micaiah mocked him, and he said, well, go, and God's going to give you the victory. Well, Ahab knew he was mocking him, and he adjourned him as as a king. He commanded him. He said, now, how often Have I told you to only tell me what the Lord has, Jehovah has told you? So it happened before, but he'd mocked him before because he didn't want the truth. He had the capability to do this. Then all of a sudden he tells him the truth. He says, oh, I saw the Lord on his throne with all of the hosts, the angels around him. And the Lord asks these spirits, who will go and deceive Ahab for me? He was actually telling Ahab what God's intention was, was to deceive you because you're a wicked man and you're fighting my people and killing my prophets. And he told him, he said, I'm telling you this. He said, and the spirit said, do this and do that. The angels were given rather advice. And then it said a spirit came forth. We tend to believe it may have been the devil because he had excess at time to give an account. To god of his actions and whoever he was he was from the devil he said i'll do it and the lord said how will you do it and he said i will be a lion spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets and the lord jehovah said do it you'll succeed so he told ahab what god's intention was and ahab so angry and mad because this was done publicly he said seize him and put him in the prison until I get back. See, he was hoping that he would get the victory and prove Micaiah wrong. Then he could have him tortured to death and, and make his conscience feel good. But Micaiah was very clever too, and he said it. He said, Listen, people, he said, If he comes back, then I didn't speak by the Lord. He was simply saying he will not come back alive in power. And he didn't. He was wounded and died. And so we see God's intention was to deceive him, and even telling him that it did not change Ahab's mind. You tell people certain things, they know it's the truth, and they don't want to believe it. They don't want to accept it. So they lie to themselves. And when they do that, uh, demons take advantage, lying spirits, and confirm them in the lie. And so he found out that he was wrong, and it cost him his life. almost cost Jehoshaphat his life, but the Lord intervened and saved him. So that was in Kings chapter 22. So we're seeing he lists Ahab to the false pagan prophets, and yet Jehovah's prophets were hiding to be protected, and Micaiah was the only one openly speaking, sort of like Elijah at the time. And he stood, and yet Ahab could say, I hate you because you don't tell me anything I want to hear. Doesn't that sound like a lot of coveting, selfish people? I only want a good word. I only want to be blessed. And yet they live wicked, coveting lives, materialistic. They love pleasures and sin, but they want the false prophet to say, oh, don't worry. Once saved, always saved. Does that sound familiar? Oh, it don't matter what you do. Jesus is your Savior, but he's just not my Lord. That's blasphemy. In the New Testament, in epistles, as I've said before, less than 20 times is Jesus spoken of as being Savior. Over 400 times it speaks of him being Lord and talks about the Lord. If he is not your Lord, he is not your Savior. If you're a believer, you're either born again or you're not. See, they split hairs so they can have a license to sin. Peter talks about that. They promise liberty. Once saved, always saved. It's all God's grace so you can do what you want. Your spirit can't sin. It's just your soul and body. That was the teaching of the Nicolaitans that Jesus said in Revelations, I hate, I hate their teaching and I will destroy with death the followers, her children. Who's the children? Those who believe that and live that way, they will find spiritual death waiting for them. So people have not changed, the devil's not changed, and the Lord's not changed. So eventually we see the manifestations of these things. So as the Antichrist comes on this time, the Lord will send lying spirits most of the world. There'll still be people some saved, and they'll be put to death for their Christianity. But he will rule most of the world, not completely because it's implied he'll go up and destroy Russia. If you read the area, Russia's going to be destroyed two or three times before the final end. So we need to understand that God has control. But the Antichrist, anybody that opposes him, he's going to go after and subdue them. Remember the devil, when he tempted Jesus, he said, if you fall down and worship me, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, I'll give them to you. And that must have been a temptation to listen to this. Well, he offers that to the Antichrist, and he takes it. And he's just as deceived as everybody else. He thinks the devil's going to promote him to be the world leader and is going to empower him and his kingdom will rule the world. He himself has been deceived, but he's fully being used by the devil and he complies with it. He's called the man of lawlessness. And as I've said, him and the false prophet are going to be the first people cast into the lake of fire. They'll be in the lake of fire a thousand years before anybody else. Okay? So it shows you God's attitude and how he's going to handle certain of these situations. Okay, 2.12. So in order or the purpose that they all may be judged, punished, avenged, who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. What God will send them a delusion, and what's the reason? They don't want the truth. Down here it tells us they love their wickedness, and God's ability and purpose is ultimately to pass judgment, and he'll pass judgment on them, punish them, avenge them, is what the word means. Those who did not believe the truth, and the word believe here is interchangeable with obey. In Revelation, when the Lord judges many people and consigns many to the lake of fire, the scripture says, for they obeyed not the gospel. James said you obeyed the gospel. Paul said the same thing in different language. He said if you yield to righteousness, then you have eternal life. If you will to the old man of wickedness, he says, then you have death. Waiting for you, he said, It's whoever you yield yourself to, that's what you're a slave of. He said the same thing as James. If you don't obey, then your profession of faith is vain. Don't mean nothing. it's dead, has no power and Paul's saying the same thing: You claim to have the grace of Christ, and you don't follow him and and live righteously with the help of the Holy Spirit and walk in holiness. Then he's saying the same thing. You're a slave of sin and hell, and judgment's going to be your end. They said the same thing. Regardless of what the false teachers tell you of how secure you are, you're not. There is no irresistible grace. Man is accountable before he's a Christian and after his will is not touched. He is influenced and encouraged, or he's done the opposite by his old man and the devil. But he has control. And as I've said many times, the greatest, greater gifts that Paul talked about, he said, was prophecy and the prophet's ministry. He was not only to teach and instruct and encourage, he was gifted to be inspired. The Spirit moved him. His Spirit spoke the words in him. Gave him the messages. And so it was God's messages. And yet, he said, the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. They were not overwhelmed. They didn't have to speak. They could obey the Lord or not obey the Lord when he gave them. What examples of speaking in tongues? There are some real speaking in tongues, and a lot of it's a bunch of baloney. But the scripture said, they spake as the Spirit gave utterance. This takes two. It takes the person and the Holy Spirit to manifest any gift or ministry that comes from the Lord. So what we see is the purpose is that they may be damned, punish, and avenge the wicked who rejected the truth and did not obey the gospel and despised the Spirit's instruction and warning, and who loved their sins. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. So he's telling you there is pleasure and happiness and a lot of sins of the old nature. That's why people do it. But it's called for a season. When the person's life's over, he will spend eternity in hell, the lake of fire. He will have everlasting punishment. So so what? Like Jesus said, if you gain the whole world, and lose your soul, has it profited you? What is it going to do you? So we're going to see this happen with the Antichrist. He will rule, but only for seven years, and then he'll spend the rest of eternity in the lake of fire, being punished and avenged by God's holiness against his evil nature, okay? So believe and obey, remember, is often changeable. They love the pleasures of sin. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Look at verse 12 and 13. Beware, brethren, he's talking to the Christians, lest there be in any of you an evil heart. Means you're meditating evil. Some of the Hebrews who I wrote the letter, Christian Hebrews, they were considering going back to the law and rejecting Christ to do it And he's giving them a warning, what will happen to them. But he says, lest any of you depart with an evil heart of unbelief, it's interchangeable with disobedience, in departing from the living God. So he's talking about true Christians. He says, be careful. Don't allow an evil heart to convince you. Don't let your own nature and the demon lie to you and tell you it'll be better under Judaism, going back to the sacrifices, the law of Moses. Well, if they tell you this, they're telling you a lie because it's not in effect anymore. It's been abolished and fulfilled. So all the sacrifices, animal sac- and everything is not avail you. And to do it, you have to trample the blood of Christ. And he said, how much greater punishment do you think you'll receive? Like we say, it's better not to have known the Lord than to turn your back on him and walk away. So he warns them of this, but he says, exhort, encourage one another, warn one another while it is time, while you have the time, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin deceives. You play with it long enough. It'll deceive you. It'll lie to you. Uh-huh. People don't know that. They think they're in control. But Proverbs says sin is like a cord. Well, you wrap a light cord around you a couple of times, you can break loose. But as you keep wrapping it and wrapping it, there's a top point where you don't have the strength to break it anymore. It subdues you. And that's what sin does with those who play with it. Now, look in the same chapter, verse 17 and 19. Now, with whom was God angry for 40 years? Those he saved out of Egypt. Those who went through the Red Sea, it was a form of baptism. They entered the covenant. They had Passover. God delivered them. Who was he talking to? True Israelites, okay? He said, but those are the ones he was angry with. And was it not with those who sinned? those who started to rebel and sin, whose bodies fell in the wilderness. When he had enough of it, he let that whole generation wander for 40 years until they were dead to bring the next generation in. Everyone over 20, except for Joshua and Caleb, every one of them over 20 did not get into the promised land, Canaan. And God sent them around The deserts, and he took care of them because the next generation grew up. So after 40 years, the 20 year olds are 60 years old, and they've got children and children. And those are the ones that went in. All the rest of them had died off because they despised God's word. He revoked the promises he gave them. Okay? We don't keep God's word. He does not keep his word as far as certain promises to individuals. Those promises are based on you staying in the Lord. If you get out of the Lord, he's not obligated to answer you. A lot of people think, well, if he gives a prophecy, it has to come. No, in certain cases. Oh, there are certain prophecies occurring in nations and stuff that are going to happen, and God's telling us that. Man don't have too much to do with it. But he said, if any time in Ezekiel, I promise to do good to a people, a nation, He's saying, I prophesy and go tell them I'll do them good. He said, if they turn to evil, I will repent of the good I intended to do them, and I will do them evil. I will punish them. So that's the principle. I've had many people, I've counseled years ago, and they're still holding to God's word, some promise that they got, when they didn't fulfill the promise. And they're still believing it, but it's a lie now. It doesn't apply. See? They should have gone back and got straightened with the Lord and seen what he decided to change. People forfeit God's blessings by getting out of grace and by rebelling against the Lord. They forfeit the good he intends to do them. As the Lord himself said, it's not his will that any perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. So God's initial will is he wants everybody to be saved and go to heaven. And we know most people are not going to. So God's will is not done, is it? Uh Because man has a will, man has a corrupt nature, man has the devil tempting him, and he has choices. But it was not God's initial will for anybody to be perishing. He made the hell for the devil and his angels, and the man just became a wickeder and wickeder, so One scripture implies he may have enlarged the borders to make room for all the wicked people, okay? Uh, So what does he say here? He said, they fell. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? The ones he gave all the promises to. The one he promised the milk and honey. The one he said, I'll deliver you and set up a kingdom when you get in. He had many promises for them. And he tested them, scripture says uh, 10 times, that could be a figure, it could have been literally, and they failed. And that's when God finally said, enough, enough. He revoked his promises to them because they broke the covenant with him. Okay. Even Christ said, those who deny me, those who backslide and deny Christ, he said, I will deny them before My God and the angels, uh, the Father, he's talking about. Okay. So he said, So who do we swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So he's using the same word. The next verse explains it. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. He's calling obeying and unbelief the same word. If you believe in Christ, then you have to obey him. See, many people, like Jesus said, will say, Lord, Lord. They believe mentally who he is, and he'll say, I never knew you. And Jesus told the disciples, why call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I tell you. So the mental assent don't mean nothing to God. So two billion people give mental assent and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and died on the cross. And many of them believe he resurrected. And many of them believe he was the Son of God, God incarnate. But they're not saved. See? And that's why James says the devil believes in God and trembles. He knows who God is. He knows who Christ is. He knows he was the Holy One. He knows he defeated him on the cross, that his kingdom was broken, and its power And that one day he knows he'll be cast into the lake of fire. He knows this. He was judged on the cross, but the sentence has not been carried out. Sometimes sentence take a while. I was amazed on the news the other night. I saw something that astounded me. A man in Arizona was finally executed after 40 years. He had killed some peoples and did something and 40 years. Can you imagine that? Average person on death row, if they are put to death, usually 10 to 15 years. And it's not that many, so don't worry about it. There should be thousands put to death. If there's thousands of murders and rapes and kidnapping, they should be put to death. God ordained government to do this. But see, liberal so-called Christians who are not Christians— They altered the word of God out of, oh, God is love. God, in Psalms, says the violent person and the murderer, God himself says, my soul hates. So get back to what Scripture says. Paul says we are saved from the wrath of God. Well, the people in the coming judgments are not going to be saved. And they're going to flee and try to get away from the wrath of the Lamb, and he's going to judge them and sentence them to the lake of fire. Uh, that's the lamb uh, that is Christ, okay, so obedience and disobedience disobedience is disobeying, believing is obeying, so as Jesus said, "Why are you calling me Lord, if you don't plan on obeying me well." most professing Christians do that. They say, Lord, Lord. They believe all of these traditional doctrines and things have been added to it, but they live their own life and do as they please. And many of them have become lukewarm, real Christians, and they play the field. And the Lord said, I'll spew them out of my mouth. I will vomit them out of my system. They make me sick either go against me or go for me. He doesn't like that compromising. You know the word of politicians, the main definition is compromise. So I don't know how any person in government at high up can be a true Christian because his whole life is lying and compromising. The people wouldn't put up with him otherwise. So don't you be looking at these world leaders thinking, oh, they're saved. and they're, No, most of them aren't. Some of them might get saved later, but not while they're ruling, because they didn't get there without deceit and compromise, and you don't compromise the truth, what you believe the truth is. So again, remind ourselves, if you do not obey, you're wasting your time saying, Lord, Lord. You're wasting your time praying. The Lord said he doesn't hear the prayer of the sinners, He'll only hear repentance, confession, repentance, and those who turn to the Lord. He's not obligated, and when Christians get out of the will of God, and they stay there long enough, they will be cut off. And he's not interested in what they want. He's interested in what he wants. God has not promised the Christian worldly happiness. He wants worldly, out in the world, outwardly holiness. He's interested in our holiness and not in our worldly happiness. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. is not subject to those things. We can have joy and sorrow as a Christian. You cannot be happy and have sorrow at the same time. The happiness I'm talking about is the worldly happiness, not a spiritual. The joy of the Spirit we can call as a Christian being happy and the Lord. We can use it as a synonym But a person who finds his life is happy, and Jesus said he'll lose it eternally because he's self-absorbed, self-seeking. He loves the pleasures of this world rather than God. He wants to do his own thing. He wants to be independent like Lucifer did. And so when they got independent, what was left? No holiness, just wickedness and evil. And that's what he's going to give them, the punishment For that. So we need to get back. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, we better be obeying the Lord on areas that we know He's dealing with. If we're stubborn and willful and resistant, you're going to be surprised when you drop dead. But you will be speechless. You'll know the truth, and you won't have nothing to argue or say. You'll know you got what you deserved. But the masses of Christianity, they think they're good by their own standards but the true backslider he knows he got what he deserved and that's why he's going to be speechless there is no argument and most of the professing Christians that never known the Lord that say Lord their eyes are going to be open and they can say he was not my Lord the devil was my God I was my God I did as I pleased I wanted to be independent and find my life and now look what's happened to me I have to give an account for everything I've done, everything I have is by God's grace, and I've abused it and refused it. Let's take a break here.